0: Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Acts chapter 17, verse
1: 16.
2: While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day, with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this, So that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Since therefore we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, and also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others.
0: Uh, thanks Neryl, great to have that uh, word read to us. As Jackie said earlier, tonight we're moving through the word BOLD which is our theme for this year and, and we're moving through the acronym and starting to understand that beginning with the very first one which is be curious. Now I'm not going to test you on this but uh, just so you can start to remember, be curious, open up about faith, link them in, do life together. Uh, that's that's what bold is about. And so we start with be curious. But when I say start, it's not as though you have to get this one mastered before you can move on to this one and then this one. They don't work in sequence like that. They're not some sort of formula to follow but rather practices to continue to practice. And as you practice them all together, uh, that will be how we're being bold. I think that will make more sense as we go through the series but I just wanted to say that up front. Curiosity. If you're asking, how does being curious help us be bold, then you're on the right track because already you're showing some curiosity. Curiosity, wonder, pondering, once a common human trait, but quickly, I think, being lost in an age of instant information, in an age of identity politics, in an age of tribalism and in an age full of echo chambers. Take the simple and humble apple as an example. I asked ChatGPT why apples fall from trees and it took about a second to tell me about gravity and about the force of apples as they get riper and as their weight increases to the point that it overcomes the weight that the stem can hold, causing it to uh, detach, the apple to detach and fall. Curious, I then asked another question of ChatGPT. I said, who discovered this? And ChatGPT instantly told me about Sir Isaac Newton and about the law of universal gravitation. I wasn't surprised about that. But what ChatGPT said said next did surprise me. ChatGPT said, however, the observation of objects falling to the ground predates Newton by millennia. Good to know. And then it said, it's a fundamental aspect of nature that humans have observed and pondered for ages. Too true, ChatGPT. Look at you. Way to go. Humans are made to ponder. We're made to be curious. So how might our curiosity impact our boldness in sharing Jesus? Well, let me provide you with a real life scenario and to keep some of you awake, maybe all of you awake, to keep you awake, I'm going to ask you to think about a strength and a weakness Of this scenario with someone near you So there's your heads up Here's the real life scenario It happened back in COVID lockdown Not very far from here Uh, It was that time of COVID lockdowns When we were allowed to have picnics in public places Remember that? And we discovered that Not only could you go to a park to picnic you You could have a picnic on a nature strip Right? Which was really convenient Because then you had a house that had food And you could use the fridge and all that sort of stuff so we were having one such picnic on a nature strip with another family from church. Some of them are here tonight. And uh, while we were having this picnic, lovely picnic on the nature strip, a man approached us. And very quickly, it became clear to us that he was very keen to share with us the gospel of Jesus, the good news about Jesus. And he launched into his method, which covered all the essential truths, of how uh, we can be saved as we sat gobsmacked trying to work out what was going on. All right, with the people around you, 30 seconds. Can you see a strength or a weakness in this approach to sharing faith? So we'll wrap that up. You can talk about that story more later. A number of people this morning wanted to ask what happened next. I'm not going to tell you now. If you want to ask that, you can ask later. But can you could you see any strength in that particular scenario, that story? He was bold, yeah. Now, I'm hesitant to use the word boldness because I think we're trying to define boldness a bit uh, differently. But he was certainly courageous, wasn't he? And I actually really admired that, that he had the guts and nerve to come up to people he didn't know and try and engage us with the message of Jesus. All right, uh, any weaknesses? He didn't I heard someone over here say something about an audience. He didn't factor in his audience. Okay, there was no try. There was no attempt really to connect, other than a very brief hello. And I think that left us, certainly me, feeling like I wasn't being treated as a human. There was something in that interaction that felt like it took something away from me, but little do I was, because I wasn't being connected with, I wasn't being engaged, I was just like being spoken at by what seemed to be some sort of robotic force. doubt <laughs> how it felt, I'm just trying to be helpful actually. So here's the thing about curiosity, curiosity connects with people. Curiosity impacts our boldness because curiosity connects. Now, I've got five things for you tonight. They're quick things, but if you've been away and you're a bit tired, this might be a good thing to write down at least and you'll have five things to think about after. Uh, and if you're just a person who takes notes anyway, five things. Curiosity connects, that's the first one. In this passage from Acts 17, Paul finds himself in Athens with time on his side. As Nero said, he was sent there by his friends and he had time on his side. And as the story of Athens unfolds, we discover that he used his time both to wander Athens and to wonder about Athens, about its culture, about its people. And look at some of the things he discovered that we see in the story. First of all, he discovered that the city was full of idols. Second, he discovered the people are very religious. Third, he discovered that they're spiritually open. They even had an altar to an unknown God. And fourth, they had a thriving pop culture, poetry particularly, which Paul then uses in his proclamation of Jesus to them. So here's my question. How observant are you, are we, about the life that we go through and the life of those around us? How observant are we about culture? Or how curious are we about the things happening in our friend's life? I think it's really easy for us, for whatever reason, and this isn't just for Christians, though we might have other reasons to do it as well, but culturally, we tend to jump to judgement rather than to curiosity. We tend to make our mind up about certain things that are happening rather than let our minds wonder why. Curiosity connects. Open questions are a good way of showing curiosity, of being curious. And if you're not quite sure what an open question might be, there's some up on the screen for you just to look at and think about. Open questions show curiosity, build emotional and intellectual connection. Paul's genuine curiosity and concern lead him to a place that might surprise us. They lead him to be distressed at what's happening in Athens, distressed about the people of Athens because as Paul observed culture, he could see that the idols weren't providing what they promised to provide and that that meant the people were being left empty, hungry for something of true spirituality. And so Paul engages them and we read about him reasoning and debating And we might read that and think, well, that sounds like he's just going in and having a go. But we've got to remember that reasoning and debating back then were much more generous and genuine than is often the case today, particularly if you were to think about the political environment of reasoning and debating. Much more generous. Back then it was much more a meeting of minds, a genuine desire to explore ideas and to find truth. So Paul's distress led him to action. His curiosity, and here's the second one if you're writing things down, shows genuine concern. Curiosity shows genuine concern. Are we concerned about those around us? Are we concerned for the eternal destiny of people? Absolutely. But are we also concerned for how they're going about living their day-to-day life? See, worshipping the idol of money, pleasure, leisure, comfort, whatever the modern day idols are, might look rosy. But most of us are aware of how quickly those idols can come crashing down. How in an instant, the things that they deliver can be taken away. There are hearts of concern for people lead to curious engagement about their lives and about the things that people value? Do we see the lostness of the world that we live in and does it lead us towards compassion? Does our curiosity show genuine concern? When Paul discovered the false gods and empty spirituality, notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't just slam them. He doesn't tell them why it's stupid to have those false gods. Neither does he go around Athens knocking them all down, making some big statement. No. He engages from their felt point of need, their felt point of need for spirituality, and he points them to their true need. He says, As I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. His curiosity about the idols gave him a connection point and he went from their felt need of wanting to know even the unknown God to telling them about the God who has made himself known and made himself known in the person of Jesus. Curiosity connects. Curiosity comes from genuine concern and thirdly, curiosity breeds curiosity. Paul wasn't just presented with an opportunity to speak in the meeting of the Areopagus. The philosophers of the day didn't let anyone come in. Rather, Paul earned his place in that gathering through his curiosity, through his engagement. So much so that the philosophers said, we want to hear more from you. There's some strange things that we've been talking about. Come and tell us more. We're beginning... Sorry, so curiosity breeds curiosity. Curiosity we're beginning to move from summer sport to winter sport, right? And maybe some of you are looking at summer finals or whatever. Some of you are looking forward to donning on your winter sport gear and getting into into that. But as we do that, I'm sure some of you will remind me of the folly of supporting the Parramatta Eels throughout winter every year. And if you do, just so you know, I'll probably just let it run off me like water off a duck's back because you know what? I'm used to it. I've heard it before. But if you were to ask me a question, I might respond differently. I say might because the tone of the question will probably determine how differently I respond. But say, for example, you were to ask me in the right tone a question like, Ron, how does it feel to support a team that's gone so long without a victory? Now, actually, you probably can't ask that question with the right tone, can you? It's just like a bad question. But let's think of a different one. Ron, what is it that keeps you loyal to this thing? Now, that question is a curious question on your behalf, but it also sparks my own curiosity. Yeah, actually, am I loyal to this thing? If I am, what does make me loyal to this thing? Is that something I want to pursue or not? See how your curiosity breeds curiosity in myself. Because here's the thing. Comments show a desire to make a point. When we make a comment, we're making a point. But questions show a desire to engage around a point, to talk about something. As you ask me questions, I often find myself asking the same questions of myself. Your curiosity brings curiosity about myself. And so Paul's curiosity led to him engaging in synagogues and in the marketplace. His curiosity sparked the curiosity of others and opened the door for him to go into the Areopagus where we see this incredible speech sermon that he gives about Jesus. So why be curious? Curiosity connects, curiosity shows concern, and curiosity breeds curiosity. But with curiosity, we also need care, and that's the fourth thing. Apparently the cat in this picture was stuck up the pole for three days. There's a reason why we have an expression, curiosity killed the cat, right? There's a reason for that expression. Sometimes curiosity can take us to places of discomfort and being uncomfortable in itself isn't a bad thing. We tend to avoid being uncomfortable in our culture but it's not a bad thing. It can help us in a whole range of ways. But if you become uncomfortable, or more important, if you sense the other person, the person you're asking questions of, is becoming uncomfortable, then it's certainly time to evaluate what's happening, even just in your own mind. And it might be a time to pull back in that conversation, noticing that what you've asked them has made them a bit uncomfortable. You could say, depending on the circumstance and relationship, you could say something like, it appears that my curiosity has made you uncomfortable. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Are you okay? And in doing that, in asking a question like that, you're both showing genuine care but also giving permission for the other person to control the direction of the conversation. Sometimes curiosity might open doors that make you feel uncomfortable because as you start asking questions, people might ask questions of you and of your faith and you might suddenly feel like... I don't know the answer to that. I've got no idea how to start having an answer to that. And this is where we want to be around to help you. And one of the ways that we can help is with the course Alpha that you've heard us talk about. And I'm going to invite Brie to come and tell us more about why this is a great place for the spiritually curious. Thanks, Bree.
1: As we think about being curious, a great way to bring people into a safe space for being curious is through Alpha. The Alpha course is all about asking questions and hearing where people are at. It's a brilliant first step to helping people think about life and God, and it's really all about listening rather than coming in with all of the answers. Each week at Alpha, we start by having a meal together. We sit down and watch a video to get us thinking about a particular topic, and then we have open discussion where people can ask questions and share their thoughts in an open, honest and non-judgmental space. to give you a bit of a taste of alpha, we're now going to watch the first couple of minutes of the first video that we watch um, in our alpha sessions so
0: Hi, I'm Nikki. Welcome to Alpha. Life is busy. Every day we ask so many questions. What should I wear? What's the weather going to be like? What's happening today? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are those bigger questions. Like, why am I here? Where am I heading? Is this it? Is there more to life than this? These are life's big questions but there's rarely enough time to think them through properly. We all have different perspectives on the meaning of life and faith and Alpha is an opportunity to explore life's big questions.
2: This is a great place to come together and talk about them openly and honestly. I'm Gemma. I'm Toby. And this is Alpha.
0: Where do I go and have big live questions? That's hard. Um,
1: Sometimes Google.
0: <laughs> Mostly on Google, yeah. I steer away from Google, generally.
2: Uh, Each other. Him? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, I go to TikTok. Talking to my friends about it. Usually to the studio and just record something. I go to my grandma.
1: I'd say my parents. My parents?
2: A mentor, someone who's a bit older, someone who's a bit more experienced.
1: Probably like my my mum, my grandparents,
0: and then my school tutor. Probably probably each other, I'd say. I'd say I would talk to my brother. My brother's a very intelligent person. We're both interested in philosophy. Probably some really close friends or a book. Uh, I guess I go inwards.
2: I think I definitely withdraw and take time to pray about it. I would first go to my family, so my parents. My husband first, Instagram, in and then Google. And then mum and dad.
0: <laughs> Friends of mine told me that the first night they came to Alpha, they sat in their car for half an hour, waiting and watching people going in. And eventually, when they'd seen enough normal-looking people going in, they thought they'd give it a try.
2: And one thing that might be going through your mind is, am I going to be the only one there who doesn't believe all this stuff, who's not a Christian, that doesn't go to church? Well, if that's you, then you're in the right place. Alpha is designed for people who wouldn't call themselves Christians or who are not regular churchgoers.
0: It might feel a bit strange to be discussing life and faith with people that you've never met before, but the best thing about Alpha is often the great friendships that have formed over the weeks.
1: So as you can see, the Alpha team have put together a series of videos that are really beautiful and thought-provoking. This will be the fourth time that I've run Alpha, and it's an absolute joy every time I've done it. People do ask such good questions and get really real about life and the struggles and doubts that they have. I reckon the best way to do Alpha is to invite a friend and come along with them. Last week, I encouraged you to start praying daily for three friends who don't yet know Jesus why not invite one of them or maybe all three along to Alpha? We have a stack of postcards at the back like this, um, which have a a code on it for registering uh, for Alpha. So make sure to pick up one or however many you need on your way out to give to your friends that you want to invite. But even if you don't get the chance to invite someone or that the person you invite says no, there are still other opportunities to be involved. We need people to provide meals each week for Alpha, and we'd also love a team of prayers to pray along with us. So if you're keen to join the meals team or the prayer team, there are sign-up sheets up at the back of the church um, that you can sign up on. Alpha begins on the 7th of March, which gives you three weeks uh, to think about who you could invite and invite them along. So let me encourage you, be curious and consider Alpha as a place to be curious with your friends.
0: Thanks, Bree. I just want to pick up on one little thing that Bree said there because I think it's really significant and that is that she said, think about Alpha as a place to invite someone else and then go with them. And I think that's a change of mindset for us. We're used to saying, oh, that course is for people who don't yet know Jesus, send them to that. And what we're saying is, no, this course is for us as we seek to be bold with our friends, family, work, colleagues, whatever, that we go along with them to the course, because then you keep being involved in those conversations and can continue to practice not just curiosity, but boldness. Curiosity connects. Curiosity shows concern. Curiosity breeds curiosity. Curiosity needs care. And finally, curiosity isn't a cure. When Paul finished his speech at the Areopagus, we're told this. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. Others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Paul's curiosity was used by the Holy Spirit in all sorts of different ways. Some believed and we give thanks for those who believed on that day but not all believed. Some wanted to know more and kept going on that journey and some just outright sneered. They weren't ready to receive the good news of Jesus. Our curiosity isn't a cure for people to come to Jesus. And so when people sneer rather than believe, don't be discouraged. You haven't done anything wrong. Just keep being curious with people. Curiosity is not a cure. It does need care. But at the same time, curiosity connects. Curiosity shows concern. And curiosity breeds curiosity. So, let's be curious. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for this story of Paul and what it says to us about how we can engage with people being curious about life and culture, such that we might engage well with people and have opportunities to share about Jesus. Be with us, we pray, as we are curious with those around us. And we pray that you'll give us encouragement, that we might see people moving closer to you. And we pray when people sneer, that you'll enable us, remind us to not be discouraged but continue to live curiously. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St Matt's West Bend Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.